WHIVLP New Orleans. Good morning, comrade. Today on the show, we have returning champion Ryan Keckeris. Uh, Ryan is a staffer for the International Painters and Allied Trades. Uh, and also, uh, he's on to talk a little bit about uh, the PRO Act. Uh, so, hey, man, how you doing? Good, how you been? Uh, just, just, just dandy, you know? The world is perfect right now, and it's never been better. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy couple months. Um, very busy too with all the, the political happenings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and and we wanted to talk a little bit about the Pro Act, which is being uh, introduced in the House uh, and the Senate, uh, which is coming up. Uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, with our previous guest Harvey K. Uh, we kind of went through the website pastheproact.com. There's ten points, but uh, I wanted to kind of get it from you. Uh, if you could just sort of like give a quick summary about like what the Pro Act is, why should why should uh, we be you know interested in whether or not that passes? What does that mean for the labor movement, and what does it mean for like uh basically like most workers i suppose yeah i mean so the way i like to think of it is that the pro act would be the first positive uh labor law reform in a generation um you know since the passage of uh, the national labor relations act in 1935 it's basically been a downhill uh legislative fight for labor uh, you had Taft hardly in 1947 which radically um restrained and then eliminated the rights of the average worker um, the PRO Act would, would remedy not all of them, not all of the wrongdoings, but, but a lot of them. And it would really kind of codify and modernize um, the labor laws in this country um, to, to put us on par with a lot of our, you know, European sisters and brothers. Um, so, you know, on, on one hand, like it would undo a lot of things that have happened in the past. It would also like kind of hopefully fix some of the more recent uh, attacks we've seen on working people. I mean, things like uh, the gig economy would be heavily uh, regulated and, and, you know, really transformed by the PRO Act. Um, you have things like uh, even union elections, which become much easier uh, under the PRO Act. Uh, you look at right now, and, and um, with the Amazon organizing campaign in Alabama, um, you see kind of the shenanigans that Amazon has pulled around expanding the bargaining unit and holding captive audience meetings and putting signs up even in, in, in toilets, uh, a lot of that stuff would be heavily regulated if not made outright illegal by the Pro Act. So it, re- it really can't be overstated how, how pivotal this bill would be for millions of people. I mean, it, w- it would restore basic labor rights for millions of workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest kind of thing beneficiary of, of the Pro Act would be, you know, the, the 90% of U.S. workers right now who are not in the union. So if you're an unorganized worker and you want to get organized, the Pro Act would help you. Um, even if you don't want to join the union, the PRO Act would help you. Um, it, it really would uh, transform the way we, we see organizing in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, higher wage, like potentially like higher wages, poten- I mean, all the benefits that go along with the union. And it's it's really something that um, can, it can jettison, it, it could 
sort of like get rid of a lot of the things that have held held us back over the past what, five decades. Yeah, I mean, all, all the tricks that the employers play uh, would be much more difficult. It would be the the bar would be much lower. Um, it, it really would make it just so much easier to, to form a union. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess to sort of follow up in terms of like like specifics of that. So, um, there's a great sort of a top ten list. Uh, that y'all have posted over at uh, pastaproact.org, which is a really great place where you can get uh, the information about that. But I guess I wanted to talk about the significance of some of those. Um, so, I, 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 so looking at some of the points, one, the PRO Act prevents employers from interfering in union elections and prohibits employers from requiring workers to attend any union meetings. That was pretty straightforward. Like, like bosses always do have these sort of like closed door, like we're going to have you coming in, you know, sitting and we're going to talk about how we're a family and how we're, uh, you know, not why a union would be like a third party. That would be something that, that we wouldn't be able to talk with you anymore. We'd have to negotiate with the union or whatever, like all this kind of crap. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think back when, uh, I worked at Walmart, uh, the first thing you do when you work at Walmart during your, your first hour of orientation is they put you in a room with this old ass TV with a VHS player. And they put in this little VHS of this anti-union yeah. consultant from probably the mid eighties, uh, who tells you that the union is a third party, that it's just, a uh, another business that you're paying your dues to some of these like fat cats that smoke cigars. Well, that would be illegal. That is a captive audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is illegal. And it is probably the number one way that, that employers, intimidate workers and that it can vary from just a stupid video to you know a, a consultant coming in and telling you that well you know the, the union can't guarantee you anything you could have lower wages from the union you could right you know you would pay thousands in dues blah 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 that would be illegal under the product oh, right uh yeah prohibitions on workers acting in solidarity so essentially like taking off of restrictions that go back to like taft hartley with solidarity strikes too is a pretty big deal yeah i mean you know there are so many things that a union cannot do and cannot call for under the law uh solidarity strikes secondary boycotts mm-hmm. um can you explain a little bit like about what those strikes. things can you explain a little bit about what those things are just for the people that are in our audience that might not be you know might not be familiar yeah, so right now, like, you know, I'm in the painters' union. Um, if, uh, let's say, the UAW goes on strike, we cannot go on strike in solidarity with their with their strike or with their campaign. That would be legal under under uh, current labor law. So the PRO Act would remove that prohibition, and it would basically allow workers across industry to go on strike in support of each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to understate how important that is, because really what that does then is it also draws employers to yell at other employers. So if if I work at Walmart and I'm on strike and you work at Target and you're on strike uh, because of my strike, then suddenly the, the, the shareholders and the management, the executives at Target are furious at Walmart because we're not only messing up Walmart's business, we're messing up Target's business. So this would allow things like that. A lot of creative uh, striking and protesting uh, would now be legal under the Pro Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think too, like, it's important to, to point out that this is not something that, that is new. These are tactics that were used to build the labor movement into what you see today. Mm-hmm. Um, things like the UAW in Flint and, and in Michigan with, with some of their sit-down strikes and some of their, their rolling strikes throughout the big automakers, 
a lot of that stuff was, was made illegal for a very specific reason, which is that it was very effective. Um, so really what the Pro Act is doing is it's granting you your rights back that your grandparents and great-grandparents had that were taken away from you um, and that have been taken away from you for a long time. So it, it really is not a particularly new concept. A lot of people have just forgotten about it because it's been illegal for so long. Right. It's just sort of taken for granted that these things are not okay and there's no – like this is something that act is – if nothing else, like like regardless of the fate of this legislation, which seems fairly at least to be, you know, somewhat, you know, to get into the politics thing of it all, like it, it's at least somewhere on the radar of these Democrats and, the, and the, it, it might be like a like a priority that gets moved forward um, that. And, and part of the reason that that part of the campaign that you're working on is to make sure that it does. Um, but but I guess w w what it does is it changes the narrative of like, oh, actually, these things are not set in stone. Oh, these things are um, are like you were saying, like put in place for a very specific reason. It's not like some kind of moral reality for how things are and how things ought to be going forward. Yeah, I mean, even things like um, <clears throat> like secondary boycotts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's illegal in this country to go on strike because uh, an employer does business with another employer who is like under some kind of labor dispute. Um, a lot of these things, you know, I, I see them as pretty basic, like fundamentals of free speech and freedom of association. Yeah. And a lot of like fundamental rights, but they're all legal. And they're like I said, they're legal because they're effective. Um, and it, it makes labor law and, and like navigating that almost impossible. I mean, you've seen like out on the West Coast with the longshoremen where they were hit with uh, an injunction by the court and, and were, you know, facing almost like a bankruptcy because they violated some of these like anti-strike prohibitions and some of these like spaghetti of, of U.S. labor law. Um, so, you know, the courts have, have are very fond of turning this around and using it to bankrupt or threaten to bankrupt unions. So kind of taking those threats away, I think, would also really free up the labor movement to be a little more aggressive and a little more creative with how we approach organizing yeah hopefully so uh three and four is really important those those points as well um one is arbitration and essentially a contract for if a union gets uh yeah. gets gets created you know with an employer they're essentially guaranteed a contract now how that's going to be negotiated uh, you know i'm not exactly sure the specifics of that but then four as well as a ban on essentially a ban on scabs which yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is I mean, which is just like it always makes me this, feel good you know our our like the structures that, that govern labor unions are so fucked up in this country that mm -hmm. if you know the majority of workers who, who manage to to get through and to actually form a union to, to win recognition to, to win an election you know what have you the majority of them never get to a first contract because more or less an employer can just refuse to, to negotiate and can just refuse to bargain in good faith and nothing happens. I mean, there, there are, there's a campaign that I started working on when I was an intern at the painters union about almost a decade ago, where these workers won a union against an incredibly vicious boss. And to this day, they still have not been able to get a contract because over that time we have paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees. These workers have, have gone, out on the limb to fight for their rights and have done everything possible. And that employer just refuses to negotiate. And, you know, we've won a million different NLRB hearings and, um, you know, civil court rulings. It doesn't matter. They can just refuse. Mm -hmm. And this would basically say, if you form a union 
after X amount of days or after X period, if you haven't reached a contract, you're automatically put into a mediation arbitration process guided by the, the Department of Labor that would basically, you know, ensure that a contract is met, which is huge. I mean, it, that that is a huge, huge victory because they and, can't and, just... And you would, you would expect that there would be some kind of like... You know, industry it would create some kind, like, or there would by that time be an industry standard by which a lot of these contracts would be created, like things like prevailing wage, uh, hours, like certain like a number of hours a week, you know, overtime, things like that, like all the specifics that would go into a contract would have they would have yeah. sort of a uh, at least some kind of a like template for how that would be created or. Yeah, or I, I think uh, if you look at this in, in the context of some of the other things that the pro act would do, I mean, even some of the the easing of like laws around the way you can strike, it would just be so much easier to, to force these companies into, you know, like, like right now, if, um, you know, we're organizing construction workers and we have this, we have this contractor who's union and this contractor who's not union, but we're organizing the non-union contractor and, and he, he refuses to bargain. We can't really put our other workers out on strike to support that other campaign because that would be like a solidarity strike and that's illegal. Mm-hmm. Well, now it wouldn't be illegal under the Pro Act. So there's a million, our arsenal suddenly is much bigger and much, much more creative than it, than it is right now. Yeah, totally. So number uh, five is really interesting to me too, because that one is uh, sort of a pre- like prevents misclassification, which hits a couple of things. Uh, I think of two things immediately when that one comes up. It's um, migrant workers who might not have documentation, one, and two, uh, gig workers who are right now being like in, in California with, uh, you know, Prop 22, that is essentially like a, an affirmative definition that these people are contractors. And it really broadens out like, it, it, like, like, like 22, uh, Prop 22 essentially says this is a classification of workers, contractors. They are not employees. They're, they're, they're not going to have, uh, you know, unemployment insurance, they're not going to pay into social security. They're on their own. They're their own entity. Yeah. I mean, a, a blessing and a curse is that federal labor law preempts all state law around uh, organizing and unions and all that. So, you know, I, 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 I'm not a scholar, but I think mm-hmm. that was done under the National Labor Relations Act to basically prevent these states from just passing something that would undo the act. But it's kind of also come back to bite us now because federal labor law has gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot that like California could do um, to override like Taft Hartley, right? So you saw a battle over um, over this with independent contractors because that's that's more or less become kind of the 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 get out of jail free card or like the um, like you know one easy trick to get out of labor law where these companies uh, misclassify their workers, which basically they're saying that uh ryan here is not actually an employee of mine uh he's actually an independent contractor he's a small business into him into and unto himself uh, he's a 1099 worker and this has been used everywhere from an uber or a lyft driver or an instacart uh courier all the way down to a lot of construction workers to a lot of migrant workers to a lot of janitors i mean it's pervasive throughout the economy and what that means is because you are now suddenly not a person and you are a business you have no labor law nothing applies to you. You have no right to organize. You have no right for anything. So when we're trying to organize a lot of these like non-union contractors, uh, where all of their, their workers are misclassified, we first have to go through a protracted legal fight um, to, to basically argue to the court that actually these workers 
are misclassified. So once, once and assuming that gets resolved in our favor, then we can we can begin the, you know, sometimes even more difficult process of now trying to organize these workers into a union. So it's just another like barrier. And really what it translates to is that millions of workers across this country have no labor rights at all uh, because of these rulings. So right. because the uh, federal labor law preempts state labor law, the PRO Act could unilaterally wipe out all, uh, you know, it, it would override Prop 22 in California. Any other state that's done something similar will be overridden. And every worker in this country right now who's misclassified uh, would have a, a infinitely easier time of, of becoming an actual mm-hmm you know, normal employee and thus getting their labor rights back. Yeah. You're listening to Good Morning Comrade. This is WHIVLP New Orleans, 102.3. Our guest today is Ryan Kekaris. Uh, we are talking about the PRO Act. Uh, and we're just kind of going through uh, some of the points that are up in there. Um, keeping it moving forward. Uh, penalties for employer that, vi- that uh, violate workers' rights. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, like, uh, for a long enough time... You know, when when these laws have or when the existing laws, which are, you know, not they're a lot more lax than that would be articulated here, there would be like slap on the wrist type penalties. And this is essentially saying like this is going to be actually be a significant, you know, fine or retribution for yeah. for workers and things like that. I mean, a, g- a good example around that is you saw um, over the summer where meat packers who were getting just, you know, injured and, and, and dying from COVID, um, you know, they basically found that their employers were liable for some of this stuff and OSHA fined them something like a thousand dollars a person. I mean, it, it was so low that it's, it's like a slap in the face. It's like, not only do, uh, do these laws have no teeth to them when employers do break them and when they do actually are found liable, it's just like a little pittance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the hope would be that, you know, labor law would actually have teeth. Um, if, if you are found guilty or liable for violating someone's rights at work there's an actual penalty attached to it um and it's not just some like fake like little like 20 dollar fine mm-hmm. yeah and then and then seven in a, in a very similar vein as well it's uh workers can uh immediately sink injunctions to reinstate get, to get reinstatement um if they get retaliated on for organizing on the job for exercising the rights as, as a worker um yeah, I mean, it would basically, um, it would require, so right now the NLRB has a lot of discretion to do a lot of these things. Um, and so you see under like Republican administrations, you see a very, you know, you saw this under Trump um, where the the all Republican NLRB was very weak and very slow to do anything. And sometimes we just do nothing. Uh, so this would put a lot of actual like legal constraints around the NLRB to, to force them to, um, seek things like injunctions on behalf of workers and not on you typically you would see the opposite where they're yeah. very quick to injunct unions like you saw with the longshoremen but uh rarely would you see that in the opposite direction yeah turn it around uh yeah pro act uh, allows workers to seek justice in court when employers unlawfully interfere with their nlra rights or retaliate against them for exercising those rights same kind of thing yeah th- this is actually pretty interesting and um it some states now kind of let you do what they call private right of action, where a worker can sue an employer um, for violating their labor rights. Mm-hmm. Like you can do this in California, where a worker can sue someone through the, the California legal system and the California uh, Labor Department 
uh, and accuse them of violating like their labor rights or of um, you know violating like 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 wage theft things like that. Yeah, waste fraud um, abuse. This would expand that to the whole country, where a worker or the workers' representative, which typically is a labor union, could sue companies under the the NLRA, which yeah. is very different because right now um, the 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 agencies themselves are the only ones in a lot of the country who can sue an employee an employer on behalf of a worker. Um, so it's kind of in the weeds, but basically, what it would what it would it would greatly expand the power of workers to 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 sue and, and to get damages from companies for doing this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just round us out with nine and ten. Uh, nine, we have uh, Pro Act prevents workers from being denied remedies due to their immigration status. I mean, like like that that goes yeah. along with the misclassification one as well, because you would have workers that would be you know, essentially bullied into taking a 1099 status. They wouldn't fight it back because of their immigration status, even though they would potentially like qualify for, uh, for, you know, employee status, uh, status where you would get, you know, things like health, like qualify for things like, uh, unemployment insurance, potentially healthcare, things like that. Uh, here essentially workers are being affirmatively said, if, if you're, a, if you're a worker, you're a worker, it doesn't matter what your status is. Yeah, this is a big one for construction. Um, so this would this would directly overturn one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most fucked up Supreme Court decisions uh, in modern memory, Hoffman, Hoffman's Plastics, um, where basically the, the court ruled that um, in, in an instance of wage theft, um, an undocumented worker could could basically because they were not legally allowed to work here the employer did not have to pay them for their wages owed that's crazy fired in the union organizing case that's so crazy so, yeah so we see this a lot like i said a lot of people we're trying to organize are undocumented um and this ties in heavily like you said with uh, worker misclassification um if by some instance we do get to the point where we found that these workers are misclassified or that they, they were owed wages um it, you know they can be denied those wages paid because they're undocumented and so it's saying that it basically is a, is a, a get out of jail free card for the employer who they know that they can hire these workers who are undocumented they can exploit them they can fail to pay them and then by by some miracle the workers actually take them to court and and are and win then it doesn't matter anyway because they're undocumented <laughs> they're not entitled to any back pay. right like, it, it, it incentivizes bringing in like like workers without status essentially yeah, i mean it, what it, it does legalizes theft yeah. The, the people who are undocumented. Yeah. So this would overturn that. I mean, it's that, that's an abominable decision, and, and you know, even a bill with just this on by itself would be a, a big win for labor. Yeah, totally. And finally, on this little top ten list, uh, the project requires employers to pass uh, post notices that inform workers of their rights uh, under the NLRA to disclose contracts with consultants hired to persuade employees on how to exercise their rights. So essentially, yeah, you, if they hire like one of these, with, um, if they hire Amazon a union right busting firm, they, they like have that. to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. If they hire a union busting firm, they have to like say, "Hey, we have a union busting firm." Yeah, and and if I remember correctly, they also have to disclose how much they're paying them. So they, you know, in Amazon's case, they would they have to say, "Hey, we hired this firm to do this, this, and this, and we're paying them this amount," mm-hmm. which really kind of hammers home like. You know, oh, the employer's saying they can't afford to pay you more money, but they can pay a million dollars to some, you know, law firm to come in and bust your union. Yeah. So I mean, like, like thinking on this, like, like this is all really great stuff, and and 
Um, there's, you know, th this is a, um, something that I think needs to definitely get passed through through the Congress. Has there been pushback or any kind of like, uh, w what are the kind of like roadblocks that you're running into at this point? How, what is the support like with uh, like co-sponsors in the House and Senate and, and, and stuff like that? So, you know, so far I would say it's been it's been pretty I've been pretty impressed like I think that labor has learned quite a bit from the last go around with this under the employee free choice act yeah we're, we're looking at this through a different light um, you know we we got behind this campaign pretty early like back uh, around Thanksgiving we, we launched the campaign um, and, and the hope was to build a, a real grassroots you know uh, maybe this is the wrong word but decentralized movement that spreads across the country where there really is like a demand and a unified labor movement that says, this is our demand. This is, you know, if you ran on and, and you, you ran on this and you promised to, to pass the Pro Act, we're going to hold you to it. Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't pass the Pro Act, we're also going to hold, or if you don't vote to pass the Pro Act, we're also going to hold you to it. And we're going to pressure the hell out of you to vote for it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's different. I think it's, it's really calling the question on, on the people that we helped elect and saying that we didn't do this for nothing. We don't just elect people for no reason. This is why we elected you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, th I think I saw President Trump go at the AFL even talk about this, how, um, you know, part of the reason we showed up in force in Georgia was not just to to get, you know, the two Republicans thrown out. It was we, we want things like the PRO Act, and we're yeah. demanding it. Um, so, th so this campaign, I think, has moved quick. You know, since Thanksgiving, we've gotten about 180 different unions and federations and, and CLCs to sign on. I think we're up to around 30 of state federations in the country it, it totals you know millions of workers like some of the eight billion workers now are represented wow uh, under this campaign um and we've moved you know into the, the the political sphere now i mean the bill is is getting reintroduced uh i think today or tomorrow um, mm -hmm. we're releasing on thursday so yeah it'll be as of today it'll be going on the on introduction yeah so you know we're we're, we're keeping tabs. We're, we're looking at um, the supporters. Um, if, you know, if you are not supporting this, you can expect to hear from us. If you are supporting it, you can expect to hear from us. But we're not going to just assume that the people who promised us um, that they would pass this bill will just do it. I think that was kind of the big mistake from the Employee Free Choice Act is we just kind of assumed that, you know, things would fall in, like in our favor and that it would get passed. And now we're really going to say we're demanding this be a priority. We're demanding that, um, you know, primarily the Democratic Party, who now control a trifecta, uh -huh. uh, deliver for working people. Yeah, now's the opportunity. It's a real sort of like shit or get off the pot type situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that for a while things were a little uncertain because of, you know, we weren't sure who would control the Senate. But, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a slim margin for the Democrats, but... I think there are ways to get this bill passed and I think we're our campaign is going to be prepared to sort of fully explore those ways and to demand that they're um uh, they're they're taken. Cool. And how can people support uh get 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 on board to support this program? Where can they uh find more information uh and how can people volunteer if they choose to do so? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the easiest way right now would just be to go to our website uh passtheproact.org. Um, and you can sign up there as an individual. Uh, if you, you know, if you work for an organization or you are a local union member, you can also sign up on behalf of your local union or your organization. Um, but really, you know, I, I, I'm of the opinion that 
this fight is really just beginning. Um, you know, I, I think it'll, or I hope it'll get through the house pretty easily, but the Senate's an entirely different battleground. Um, it's going to be tough, and we really need, you know, millions and millions of workers, both union and non-union, to come out in support of this and to, to, to be creative, to, you know, contribute any way they can. I think we really need a full court press and a, a very, um, you know, holistic approach to this campaign because it's not going to be easy. I, I think that that bears repeating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so passtheproact.org, you can sign up, uh, you can put your information in and, and sign up for their, I think it's an email list and, and they take your phone number, things like that. So you can you can be up to date on, on all these things. And I know IUPAT has been uh, putting out some really great videos. Y'all have been doing some fantastic work up there. Uh, so that's really awesome to see uh, how this thing's rolling out. We got to get this thing passed. Uh, I did want to kind of uh, move on, but let's let's go to station ID really quick. Uh, you're listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. It's Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have Ryan Kekaris on the show. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the passing of uh, former AFL-CIO president uh, John Sweeney. Um, so I guess, could you help me set the table really quick with that? Like, who is John Sweeney? Why is he significant? What is the, what is the deal? I, I know that we didn't talk about this much before, but... Uh, it kind of kind of hit me like maybe we should talk about this. Yeah, so he was a really interesting guy. He was a longtime president of SEIU, uh, local 32BJ, I believe, which kind of goes up and down the East Coast. Um, he became the president of the AFL-CIO, uh, you know, when I was pretty young. Um, <laughs> but he, he was notable, I think, because he, he kind of transitioned the AFL to being very aggressive towards organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, he very much believed in organizing – he transitioned a lot of the, the resources of the AFL towards organizing. I think he, he had a goal of something like 30% of their budget be earmarked for organizing. Um, he founded a lot of like trainings and programs that still exist today, uh, like the Organizing Institute, which trains a lot of organizers at the AFL. Um, he also founded a, a program that I actually got started in called Union Summer, which is kind of intended for young people to get involved in the labor movement, where you go and you, you learn how to do labor organizing and you, and you kind of get to interact with a lot of people at the AFL and you get placed with the union. And it was really formative for me growing up. So um, it was very sad to see him pass. I think a lot of people don't know that about the AFL and don't know that about him, but he was a very interesting guy. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that might be interesting to a lot of people is that he was actually a member of BSA. Um, oh yeah. I know yeah, we were talking was. about that. I think that was uh, in one of our, our messages that we, that, that, that came up. Yeah, so, you know, you know it, it's not talked about frequently, but the, the guy who was the president before Trumpo was a BSA member, um, <laughs> and openly a socialist. He, he also did a lot of interesting things, like he, he formally removed the ban on being a communist and being a member of the AFL. So, mm-hmm. it, very interesting guy. And I recommend, if you don't know a lot about him, to read up on it, because uh, he was a, a very inspirational labor leader. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, uh, yeah, well, anything else you want to add in before we, uh, kind of dip out? No, I'm glad to be back. And, um, you know, the, the campaign, the passive project has just taken off. I think with it being reintroduced today, um, you know, we're, we're expecting some, the, the beginning of the opposition to start as well. So things will be getting, I think, ramped up quite a bit in the, in the coming months. Any idea what that opposition is going to look like? You can already see it. I, I noticed a couple of pieces coming out today from Americans for Prosperity. Uh, I know the uh, the ABC, which is kind of like the non 
or the anti-union uh, construction trades council yeah uh has their own kind of really poor campaign against the pearl act so it you know i, I think the, the big guns will be coming out soon which is you know walmart amazon uh, yeah and some of their shadowy uh uber and lyft you know organizations so it's it'll get interesting for sure yeah all right. Well, well, thanks. So passtheproact.org. You can get more information there. Uh, you can sign up. You can, you can get all that stuff in. Ryan Kecker, thank you so much. And thank we'd love to have you back it. coming on soon. 